Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy, the TDN Podcast. Fantasy Podcast. With your host, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome in to the TDN Fantasy Podcast. Paige Demakos, Jake Arians, Jamie Eisner. And listen, guys, before we get into the NFC West, we have to talk about a couple of rumors that are going around ahead of the NFL draft. Now, we've talked about a couple of these in previous podcasts. It seems like we've talked about one of these for, I don't know, the whole year, uh, at least half the year, uh, especially since he uh, had some dramatic uh, entrances and exits in Arizona, the different things that he was saying, and that is Mr. Odell Beckham Jr., right? This guy, since since before he left New York, there has been rumblings and discussions about where he was going to go. Then he ends up in Cleveland. Then this year in Cleveland was obviously a disaster, and there is a lot of discussion around whether or not Odell Beckham Jr. could be on the trade block ahead of the NFL draft. So, Jake, I'll go to you first. If, in fact, Odell Beckham Jr. does get traded, what is a positive landing spot for both sides? Because we know that Odell Beckham Jr. is not changing. He's going to be the dramatic dude that he is, but is there a good spot for this guy to land and actually get the best out of that talent? I don't know. I don't. I mean, what, what's better than a superstar quarterback playing with your best friend in an organization with a rabid, crazy fan base that loves you? Maybe Cleveland's not the greatest city to live in, and maybe you'd rather play in Miami. But Jarvis Landry just won it out of Miami, and he ended up in Cleveland. So I, I don't know. I don't know. I, so it's an interesting question. I mean, he puts up numbers. Last year he was dealing with a groin injury, ended up having surgery. I think he's going to have a decent year. I think he bounces back. I wanted no part of him last year. I, I was very much on board with saying that in preseason. Um, Fantasy-wise, I think he bounces back and has a solid year. But I, I don't know. I mean, the, the fake news of him going to Minnesota for, what, a second, third, fifth was all BS. Um, and I can't imagine he'd rather go to Minnesota and play with Kirk Cousins than be in Cleveland with Baker Mayfield, Jarvis Landry, and that fan base and that team. So I, I, to answer your question, I don't know. I mean, I, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't yeah. trade what you're going to have to give up to get him plus that salary. And Cleveland can afford it. And I think he's still their best receiver. So I, I wouldn't do it if I was that. I think the funniest part of that whole thing, right, the Minnesota thing specifically, is that Minnesota just shipped off Stephon Diggs because he was a problem. So the second that I saw the Odell Beckham Jr. stuff, I'm going, okay, if you're Mike Zimmer, do you sit down and go, yeah, you know what, we're going to ship off Stephon Diggs, but we're going to take on Odell Beckham Jr. and all of that controversy that comes with it. I just little, that, little upgrade on the field, massive. 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 More headache in the locker room, however you want to say that. Correct. And I I just – I can't imagine that that would be something that would happen. I know we had a lot of fun with it at the Draft Network, specifically because my – the graphics team, I have to give them a shout-out because Robert Juden and Ryan Lane are the best in the business. They do unbelievable jersey swaps and designs, and they They did this – they did this – just such a cool graphic of – Cold Pepper, right? I think it was, or who did they have? Well, there's, no. one with, there's one with Chris Carter and Randy it's, Moss yes, and the no down the middle. No that's the, that's, yeah. yeah. And the, that was cool for a moment. And it also took me back to, yeah, Randy was a huge diva. Okay, maybe. And I'm thinking in my head, I'm going, 
Nah, not Mike Zimmer, Different right? coaching staff, Brian Billick's offense, Dante Culpepper. No, it's, no way. To yeah. answer your question, the only thing that makes sense to me is San Francisco giving up 31. Okay, that's, that's they've where – They've got two first-round picks. If they did that, they don't have to take – they could take the top corner in the draft. They don't have to take a receiver with, what, they got 13 and 31, whatever it is. Yeah. Maybe that makes sense. I, I think they're going to win. I think who if you're winning a lot and you're really good, I think – he's probably going to settle in and be fine, but they're not, they're going to run the crap out of it. They're not going to throw it a ton. Yeah. Debo is still kind of their guy. So I don't know that they want to take on the I don't, and they probably still can. Some, somehow they're still great on the cap. To answer your question, that'd be the only one I think that would make any sense, but I don't know. I don't know who's a better situation for him and how long it's a, it's a time bomb waiting to need one negative thing to go off. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. Jamie, are there any teams or situations that you see fit? I think the one that Jake kind of threw out there at the end, San Francisco, is the only one just from the actual deal I think could happen, right? When I look at the draft capital and the, and the salary cap and, the, and a need for a wide receiver, and frankly, just the environment and the coaching staff that I think potentially could work out for Odell Beckham Jr., yeah, I mean, the only other spots, and again, we're starting to like just go hypothetical here, yeah. but I think you look at some, some and again, let's say regardless of the living situation, but let's just talk about the team fits uh, and cap fits. I look at Indianapolis as a team that is really interesting to me. I add a comment to T.Y. Hilton. You have a strong veteran quarterback that I think can, that will not be afraid to take control in that situation should things start to get out of hand in Phillip Rivers. Uh, I look at a team that is receiver needy. They're a little bit down the list because I'm not sure they're going to be able to – they wouldn't quite have the cap space to make it work multiple years down the road. They could get creative this year. But if we're talking about living situations and warm weather, Green Bay does not come to mind for you uh, very much at all. Uh, the other one that could be interesting – again, I don't think any of these are happening. I think Odell Beckham is playing in Cleveland next year, just to, to point, throw that out there. But the other team that still has plenty of cap space and is receiver needy is Baltimore. Uh, and that could be another interesting one as well. But I still think the best fit for Odell Beckham right now is right where he is. Jarvis Landry might miss the beginning of the season. The Browns still are going to have playoff expectations. They need Baker Mayfield to take another step forward, both on and off the field in terms of a leadership role and on the field in terms of talent. And Odell Beckham can help him with that. Uh, so to me, the best fit is staying right where he is. And I think that's where it ultimately would, will be. The San Francisco one's interesting because there's been a lot of talk that they may take a player we're not expecting at 13, which would be a non-wide receiver, and then trying to circle back with maybe a, a Higgins or a Mims or an Ayuk or somebody else at, that thir at 31, which could be interesting. Uh, obviously, you'd rather have Odell Beckham from a pure talent standpoint uh, than any of those rookies coming in and immediate impact as you consider yourself a Super Bowl contender. But to me, I think the best fit right now is staying right where he is in Cleveland because they have that need for him. And he still has something to prove again this year. And let's also forget, not forget that, he has an extensive injury history beyond yes, everything else that goes off the field. He has an extensive injury history going back to New York that is something you have to consider. It's something that fantasy managers have had to consider for a number of years. It's something NFL teams have to consider, too, if you're going to start trading draft capital and cap space to get him onto your team. Yeah, I think that's – you said it perfectly, Jamie. I think the, the injury history doesn't get talked about as much as it probably should when you're factoring in these trades, right? And you're thinking about – the, you know, what, what a GM and a head coach are going to sit down and go, okay, this is a guy who's probably not going to give us 16 games because he usually doesn't, right? And then on top of that, he's going to give us 
issues off the field and he might cause chaos in the locker room and he's going to be asking for trades if something goes wrong in week two. I just, I don't think the market is as big for Odell Beckham Jr. as everybody on Twitter thinks it is, right? Because I think it's a, I think it's a fun conversation because he's got such brand power, right? And brand affinity because of who he is and how he looks and the fact that he came from New York. But I'm with you, Jamie. I think he needs to prove that he can play and that he can ball and he deserves that contract, frankly, because I think we haven't really seen that version of him yet. And especially for 16 games, right? And Cleveland's got a lot to prove. And I think he, if I was him, I would feel a part of that, right? Because he was a part of the failure this, this year. Uh, and I would hope that he would want to be a part of the success as they move forward. The other transitioning here to, to talk about OJ Howard, because this is one that, listen, we've, we've heard since midway through this this past year right Bruce doesn't like tight ends and he's not gonna fit and I've heard a million different storylines about OJ Howard between and fantasy owners my my were they complaining about this one all year long right and I told them keep complaining because nothing's gonna change unless OJ starts balling and playing better right and sure enough it didn't happen so Jake and I talked about this a little bit before hopping onto the podcast, but it's kind of a good opportunity at this point if you're the Bucks because there aren't a lot of great tight ends. So maybe the value's higher right now versus last year. If you guys remember, there were a couple of tight ends that ended up TJ Hawkinson went in the top 10, right? There were, there were tied two tight ends came out of Iowa that people really liked. Like there's not, most mock drafts don't have a tight end going in the first round. The, the Bucks are obviously have a lot of offensive firepower. They have Cameron Braid. So maybe this makes sense. Jamie, do you see some potential landing spots here that make sense for, one, the Bucks to, to move on, and, and two, for another team that's in need of a tight end? Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, I think we, we've, O.J. Howard has been talked about in trade rumors for, what, eight months now? Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, yep. it, it's been a while. It's not exactly – it shouldn't be a shock to anybody that's listened to this podcast or has been following the Bucks closely – and considering that, look, the Bucks are, oh, I mean, they're pretty good at the pass-catching spots right now. They're, they're, they're really good in that scenario. And given just the, what we saw from O.J. Howard last season, I, I'm not surprised that they're going to go out and maybe take a look and see what they could potentially get for a return. The, uh, to your point, Paige, we're not going to hear a tight end's name called on day one. Uh, maybe we'll hear Cole Komet called on day, uh, on day in the second round, but – then you're starting to talk about some of the other guys, uh, you know, Trotman, some of these other guys that might, might be round three, might be day three picks uh, at, at that point. So there, if you're looking for immediate help at the position, it just isn't there right now. It's tough to find exact fits. Uh, obviously, New England looks like a fit. You know, Bill Belichick likes to use his tight ends. They don't really have a clear option there right now. I don't think they're trading 23 for that pick, but for OJ Howard. But if they trade back, let's say, and they pick up a couple picks on day two, moving one of those for OJ Howard, if that's what the Bucks deem as, as their value for him, I can see that happening. Uh, I would have said the Bears before they spent all their money on bad tight ends, and they did that. I would have said the Seahawks before they brought in Greg Olson. But uh, I, I think it's a fairly limited market, but I think it's an intriguing market for a team that says, that just looks at the raw talent and the raw size of OJ Howard and says, you know what? We can maybe make something out of this and we can do it a little bit quicker, even though we're going to have a shorter timeline before his next deal. We might need that help right now that we might not get out of a, likely not going to get out of any rookie tight end in this draft class. So I'm, I'm interested to see what that team could be, but I don't think it's going to be a robust market just because I don't see that many teams that are going to pay up, I think, what would be fair value for O.J. Howard that don't already have a tight end that they at least want to start the season. 
Yeah, I mean, I'd say Cincinnati, Green Bay, Carolina, mm-hmm. New England. I, there's fits because he – here's the problem with OJ. And if you don't think B.A. likes tight ends, the name Heath Miller should ring a bell in your head when he was offense coordinator. O.J. Howard was on the field for more snaps than he was under Dirk Cutter. The problem is he doesn't play like a traditional tight end. He wants to be a flashy pass catcher and needs to go back to the player he was at Alabama, which is a blocker, big play threat tight end. He has not been that. He wasn't healthy. And then this year he was healthy. And for some reason, he was a huge fantasy take in the fourth round, right, Jamie? Well, weren't you expecting if you were taking him in the fourth round that he was going to have a big year because of Bruce Arians' former offense and Heath Miller? He dropped the pass that it was intercepted. He fumbled in the first game. He struggled all year. He didn't play very well. He finished strong. Um, so I don't know. I mean, the other thing is they're not going to give him away. He's cheap. Yeah. He's like a million six on the cap or something. Yeah. And he's still a Greek god specimen. That, sh- that like, The thought of O.J. Howard as a great tight end is so much more <laughs> – than the real player right now. He's got a lot to do to get better to develop. And they're not going to give him away. They think they can get that out of him. He now has Tom Brady throwing it to him. He knows a thing or two about making it work with a tight end. Uh, So they're not going to give him away. But I think there's probably more of that market for second and third round picks. And I don't know what they would take. And this is not any insider knowledge here. It's just that's probably the market. I mean, if it's a late, late first, maybe somebody would do that. But I think you're still talking about second and thirds and – but they're not going to give him away. And it's, it's a weak tight end draft. So I think the stock is probably higher, but that it's still the thought of OJ more than what you've ever seen in the field in the NFL. The player at Alabama was a damn freak. I, know. I don't know where the disconnect is from going to the, from Alabama to the NFL, but it has not translated yet to the player that he was at Alabama. And that goes for the other, the other premier tight end in that draft clash, David Njoku. I mean, yeah. think about the way yeah. we thought about both those players coming out. And again, if they're still young, it's not like their careers are over and they, they, they can't figure it out. They're both still they, babies. I think they're yeah, both, what, they 22, just have 23, and they're unlocked that potential yeah. yet, that full potential yet. Yeah, there's still a lot of expectations for both of those guys, right? And I think, you know, you look at the – if you're a Bucks fan and you're looking at the roster and you look and say, okay, Tom Brady's here now. Maybe this is the turning point for O.J. Howard if he ends up staying on the roster and they don't move him, right? But like Jake said, this isn't – the, the Bucks are in a good position here because he's cheap. Why you're not going to give him away for nothing? That doesn't make any sense, right? So you're you're in a good position to sit back and say, okay, this is what we want for him. If we don't get it, we just go into the season, we run it back. It's 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 this isn't something where you're going to have to force something to happen. But it is a good time because there aren't a lot of great tight ends. And like Jamie said, we're going to get through day one, and there's probably not going to be anybody called. We might get through halfway through day two, and there's nobody called. So it's. There are a lot of expectations for a couple of these tight ends, Bryson Hopkins, another one that they didn't do exactly what they needed to do this year to, to flash. And maybe that helps with the market for, for uh, OJ Howard. Okay, guys, let's talk about this, this podcast today. We are, we are previewing or uh, looking back at free agency for the NFC West and, and talking about the moves that were made. And we're going to start, we're going to start here with the Arizona Cardinals. I shook things up a little bit today. Usually we start with the team that finished in first place. This time we're starting with the team that finished in last place, right? So a little, a little hometown love for the old Cardinals and, and talk about the moves that they've made thus far. So notable additions, right? They, they acquired Kenny and Drake in the middle of the season, but they, they're keeping him on the, on the staff or on the roster. The big one, DeAndre Hopkins. We've talked about that one at nauseum. Jordan Phillips, Devon Kennard, Devondre Campbell, Corey Cunningham. 
some notable losses here. Rodney Gunter, Farrell Cooper, uh, Cassius Marsh, David Johnson, obviously coming off in that trade. It's, you know, these are one of those things where the one thing that we've talked about with this team, pretty much the entirety of this offseason was the DeAndre Hopkins trade. And it's hard not to because it was such a ridiculous trade that I still can't believe is real that it deserves just the starting off point for this team is probably a B based off of one move that they made this entire offseason. Jamie, I was going to say, Jake, I'll let you go first. Go ahead. You jumped in. What are your overall thoughts on what the Cardinals did this offseason? I think it's an A based off of just that. Okay. You throw in Phillips and Campbell on the defense, they got better. What they lost was nothing. They lost David Johnson. They massively upgraded in that trade. Farrow Cooper, no big deal. Like What they lost was not Cassius Marsh. I mean, come on. But they added starters on defense, and you added the best receiver in football. It, I, they were start, we're starting with them being the last place team in their division. They're not finishing there next year. I don't think they can make the playoffs yet because this defense has got a long way to go. Uh, but if they add a right tackle in this draft, if they stay at eight and take a tackle, man, this offense is going to be a lot of damn fun. I mean, I think Cliff really learned a lot calling plays in the NFL and drawing plays up in the NFL. He's got a lot of time to sit around and dial it up now. And I mean – Christian Kirk, you know Larry's going to do Larry. Christian Kirk, Isabella, you got speed. You got a couple other guys you drafted last year that weren't healthy, so you got a big-time receiving core. Oh, yeah, by the way, DeAndre Hopkins. Um, if you have bookend tackles, and that offensive line overperformed last year anyway, uh, they like Chase Edmonds. You, you, you kept Kenyon Drake. Now, this defense, they're going to have to outscore people, but they're going to be a hell of a lot of fun to watch. I, mean, I said last year they're going to be the most fun 4-12 and team ever pretty decent pretty close but they're going to be they're going to be in a lot of games they're going to be outscoring people and if the defense can play solid or get some turnovers or get turnovers Chandler Jones goes nuts and gets you know sack fumble all the time they're going to be right there but I get you got to give them an A from what they've done so far and if I think if they go right tackle I can even see them trading down what's six eight ten picks still to getting a defensive starter maybe taking like the tackle from Georgia Well, they don't have a second round pick now, but maybe they, they can get creative. They can move around. I think they still got to do that. If they don't add a tackle, I think they're still okay on the offensive line, but they have a perfect path to get a plus. Yeah. I, a, so I don't know how you can't give it a, I think that they're in a much better position after that trade because the discussion heading into this off season was CD lamp, CD lamp, CD lamp at eight. And I'm going, I get it, but, Man, it's just you hope that you can just wait a little bit and get one of these good receivers. And then they go out and get DeAndre Hopkins, and then it's like, yeah, we're not drafted CeeDee Lamb at eight. Like, we're, now we can go get a tackle, one of those big four that we've talked about, Jamie. And I, I would assume that – and at least that's what I would do. I would stand pat, and I would draft one of these guys there at eight. But let's talk about the, the offseason, right, uh, uh, before we get into the draft stuff. It's, it's hard to give them anything but an A. I'm with you, Jake, because that Hopkins trade was so lopsided. Yeah, look, I mean, like that, that's the best player acquired this offseason that's not a quarterback was DeAndre Hopkins. And, yep. and there's no doubt about that in my mind. And in terms of players can make the biggest impact on the team. Uh, look, you have to be – this is going to be an extremely exciting team. This is going to be a very, very fantasy-relevant team 
Uh, I think I'm going to have Kyler Murray pretty high uh, in my QB rankings to start the year. Hopkins is always going to be, is going to be the receiver two uh, in that conversation behind Michael Thomas. Uh, you know, Kenyon Drake now for a full season really clicked in that offense. And we've really just been waiting for him to get his full-blown opportunity that Adam Gase never gave him in Miami. And we only saw limited amounts of in the brief Brian Flores time that he was with him. Uh, so it's going to be a really exciting team to watch from there. I do have still massive concerns on defense, even though they have two perennial pro bowlers and Patrick Peterson and Chandler Jones and Buda Baker looks like he's going to be another guy that's we're going to talk about in that category. So they have some pieces, but that's it. Uh, yeah. Everybody else, everywhere else is, is a significant area of concern for them. So I, I do wonder, you know, if this team's ceiling right now is eight and eight, just because of how poor that defense can be at times, but they're good. Like Jake said, they're going to be in a lot of games and offense is going to be really exciting where if the defense just overperforms a little bit or creates a couple turnovers. The Cardinals have a chance to be that pesky team that could actually run away with some of these games early and just kind of hang on. Uh, against teams that they are maybe not at quite as good at on paper yet, but are getting there. Uh, as far as draft slot, I would take a tackle there at eight. Uh, you're either going to get the number one or number two tackle. And now there's all this talk about how, uh, you know, whether or not the Giants decide to take a tackle there at four. We're now hearing all this talk about how they love Andrew Thomas and all this other stuff that happens, you know, the week before the draft. But, uh, you know, it, the only other scenarios there is for to not take a tackle is if, let's say, you know, Detroit trades out of that pick and maybe Okuda falls to you. I think at that point, you might, you really have to consider that at eight. Or if the Falcons come a call in and saying, hey, you know, we're, we're going to give you a significant package to move up. We're, here, we're hearing all these rumblings that the Falcons want to move up for somebody. And you can move down to 16 and maybe get, you know, a Christian Fulton or a C.J. Henderson in the corner or maybe a chase on to add on the other side of Chandler Jones or, you know, and then still pick up capital elsewhere, whether it's a first round pick the following year or more day two picks. I think those are scenarios you think about. But We've said all offseason, it makes sense. You have invested everything in your number one overall pick last year, including eschewing the quarterback you took with the number one with your number one pick the year prior. <laughs> keep him healthy, keep him upright. You pay DJ Humphreys, get that bookend tackle, wherever that top tackle is on your board at the time, yeah. and say, you know what, we are set at that spot. That's what they should do. But again, the draft does throw us curveballs. Yeah, the draft always throws us curveballs, right? But I I it's just tough to imagine that. At eight, I you know that there's going to be one of those top four guys available, and it just makes too much sense, at least from my perspective where, Jamie, you said it exactly right. You went and you got number one overall pick. You invested in Kyler Murray. You know you got to protect him. You know he likes to run around. You know he's a small guy. If you want to run this offense, you got to protect this guy. And if you have the, the capability, it's it's one of those things. We it's It seems so logical to just go and – and get these guys because it we talk about almost every team that deals with offensive line issues and I know it's not sexy and I know it's more fun to talk about oh my god well it would be awesome to see CeeDee Lamb or another one of these wide receivers yeah I get that you know what's sexy though Kyler Murray actually being healthy and upright and being able to play for a full season and being able to to put up the type of numbers that we think so Okay, an overall A for this team. A. I think we've, yeah, A across the board. All right, we'll move on to the to the LA Rams, who I've had plenty of fun mocking on social media um, over these last few weeks, but they they have managed to to do some things that I didn't think they were going to get done, right? The Brandon Cooks trade being one of those things. So there are notable additions off the top, Austin Blythe, Leonard Floyd, Ashawn Robinson, but some of these losses, right, Corey Littleton, Dante Fowler Jr., Clay Matthews, Todd Gurley, JoJo Natson, Marquise Christian, Mike Thomas, Greg Zerloin, Brandon Cooks, it's a lot of people that are not going to be on this roster. 
And the big part there is, as we've discussed, that nauseum. They don't have any, they don't have high draft capital here, right? They have no first round pick. So they're going to be waiting until 52 to make a selection here. Now they could still get somebody great. That's a lot of holes specifically off of that defense that we've gotten used to seeing. And Greg Zerloin's a huge one. I mean, that's like, man, what a, what a key cog in your offense for such a long time. So Jake, I'll let you, I'll let you take this one first. What are your thoughts on the LA Rams off season thus far? It's amazing that you went all in for that Super Bowl and mismanaged your cap so bad that it was going to be an F minus. Yeah. No matter how you cut it, it was going to be an F, F minus to the point where I'd have to give them a C plus so far because they did get a trade partner for Gurley and they got him off the books. And yes, it's going to kill him, but they, they got it off and it's not going to linger. Yeah. And then they did it again with Cooks. There was no way in hell I thought was going to happen. They did it again. So I'm like, okay, yeah, you, let, you lost their line. Corey Littleton's huge. Dante Fowler Jr., huge. Clay Matthews, replaceable. Uh, but they lost a lot. So it went from an F, and they couldn't avoid the F because they went all in for the Super Bowl, and their, their cap was just mind-blowingly jacked up. So I'd probably give them a C-plus at this point. I mean, they, they're almost in rebuild mode, but they can't rebuild because they got all this dead money for a couple more years, but they got rid of it. So you got to give them props for being able to move those guys, which I, I didn't think they were going to be able to do. Yeah, that's kind of where I am, too. I mean, for, for their grade for their 2020 season is going to be an F because yeah. they got significantly worse on both sides of the ball. But the grade for their best chance of digging out of this hole two or three years from now, he has a solid C+. Plus. Like, I, I'm, I'm really happy with what they were able to do. If you, and if you're a Rams fan, I know it's, it's disappointing overall, but the big picture is, is they, they risked it. They put all their chips in the center of the table, and they lost. And this was always going to happen. It just determined whether you're going to do this with a ring on your finger or not. Unfortunately yeah. for Rams fans, they're doing it without the ring on their finger. But this was always – this was inevitable. Uh, but this is the first step of moving on. And, and it's moving on from Todd Gurley, moving on from Brandon Cooks. Still Didn't trying to build around the pieces. for Cooks? Yeah, got a second back. I mean, you got to like that. You yeah, got a absolutely. second back for Cooks. I mean, and you and don't they have need a first-rounder. Yeah, you got, I mean, you, you got to be happy with that. Yeah, no, they needed it. They definitely needed it desperately, right? And, the, so, and, and getting him off the books was not something that I thought was going to happen, right? I just didn't see that happening at all, Jamie. And you still have some key cogs. Again, you, you kept Aaron Donald. You're keeping Jalen Ramsey. Uh, you, you know, right? You, you're keeping your other two receivers, Cup and Woods. Uh, I mean, so you're set up to be, again, I don't think they're going to be a team we're talking about winning the division or anything, but they're a team that's at least – you can see in a couple years that they can get back to somewhere close to where they were. They now have a chance. A lot of things have to happen. They're going to have to draft well with the limited capital that they have. They're going to have to avoid injuries, and they're going to need a huge step forward from golf. But it's at least reasonable now that this team can be a contender again in a couple years where, as we said on the last show, if they kept Cooks, if they kept Gurley, it wasn't going to happen. So this is really painful now, and this is the price you pay for selling your soul to the devil to get to the Super Bowl, but it, it gives you the best chance to get out of this mess somewhere in the future, and it's going to take a lot of creativity. It's going to take a lot of work from McVay and Snead. It's going to take a lot of effort. It's going to take a lot of luck, and it's going to take a lot of scouting to get to that point, but ultimately, it's going to matter what the quarterback situation looks like because if Jared Goff continues to play at a similar level to what he played last season – None of this is going to matter. They're yeah. not going to be contenders anytime soon. 
So the hope is that maybe he can find something or maybe they can discover something in his game or maybe something clicks or they could find a fault that they can fix or something that they can work on with him. Because if he could take that next step forward, there is now at least a reasonable path to them being successful again in the, maybe not in the short term, but in the midterm. Uh, for this year, uh, I mean, they're, they're going to be a team I think that's exciting at times. They still have plenty of pieces on offense. They still got some young – they've got Dale Henderson. I think they're going to bring in maybe another back there. You still got, you've still got Cooper Cup. You've still got Woods. You've got two tight ends and Everett and Higby that you're excited about. They could still be an exciting team at times, but they're nowhere near uh, competing in this division. I think the, the biggest reason that I've been critical of this team is the timing of some of the things, right? Because I'm okay with the, I want to go all in for the Super Bowl. I'm not okay with last year, you're in third place and you trade away for multiple first round picks for Jalen Ramsey. That's where I look and go, that doesn't make any sense. You're not aware of where your team is and how good you are and what your chances were to compete last year. That's why this team is in such a bad position because it's okay to go all in and, and fail. But last year, you weren't even sniffing the postseason and you went double down with chips you didn't have. And that's where I look at this team and I go, You're gut. This, is, this is a tough situation to get yourself out of because you don't have a first this year and you don't have a first next year. So there's not a light at the end of the tunnel very quickly for this team and you're paying golf for a while. So you kind of have to make it work with what you have or this is going to be ugly for them. And if golf doesn't, if golf doesn't perform at a much higher level, and we've seen that level, right? We've seen a much better level. But we talked about it last year. A lot of the issues with this team was their offensive line stayed healthy and had chemistry for so long. And the second that that wasn't the case, Jared Goff was not the same quarterback. And that is very hard to bank on an offensive line, staying healthy and having that chemistry all year long. So when I look at these two teams, because these are the bottom two teams, and I would assume you guys don't have either of these two teams hopping over Seattle or hopping over San Francisco. Which one of these two teams is better set up for success? Because I kind of feel like it's the Cardinals. Cardinals. Yep. The Cardinals. Yeah. Here's why. We don't play seven on seven. You need a damn offensive line to be good in the NFL. Jared Goff, for his first two years, had an offensive line that played 99% of the snaps. Yeah, unheard of. Five cohesive unit of really good players. Four of the five are gone. So you have no draft capital. You have no salary cap money to go get anybody. You have to piecemeal an offensive line together and hope that that unit can stay cohesive and play together in front of him and play well. Because if he doesn't have a good offensive line, he sucks. He yeah. proved that. Uh, I think he'll be okay. I think he'll take a step forward. I still love McVay as a coach. I think he'll be very creative. I think they'll be okay. But those weapons Jamie was talking about are all based on how that offensive line plays in front of him. By the way, one other thing we got to give him credit for is moving to Keeb's lead and yeah. getting that, that number off. And it was basically a cash thing. It wasn't really a big deal. But there's another player that they moved on from. And I agree with you, Paige. You hit the nail on the head. You went all in on the Super Bowl, but then you panicked on the team. You weren't very realistic on who you were and gave up all that for Jalen Ramsey. I'm okay with the trade but not last year at the time, because you're now dead. And one of the other players I said to end the show last week, I still think Aaron Donald could be a sneaky, under-the-radar trade bait person coming up to get back in the first round next week or a week away. Nobody else has talked about that. And he's a freak player. I mean, like getting rid of the players, like getting rid of Khalil Mack. But I yeah. think you could get back two firsts. You can get back this year and next year. You could get a first and a second. You could get something. If somebody wants to bite on that, could get them back in immediately 
and maybe get them in high enough to get back in one of these tackles. Yeah. And, and help that offensive line. We floated it out, and I think as much as the initial response would be negative, right, because it's Aaron Donald's, just like Khalil Mack, right, where you're going. also the second-highest paid defensive player in the league. That's the con. Who's going to be third because you're going to have to pay Jalen Ramsey more than than that. That's exactly right. It's the contract. It's the state of this organization. It's being totally understanding of who you are, right, because that's what they lost sight of last year. They were not – they thought they were something else than what they were. They were not a playoff team last year. They were not competing in their division, and they were not competing for a Super Bowl, and they went out and made a trade like they were. And that will yeah, get you in trouble. They were a gambler chasing their debt. They yep. said, oh, no, no, this is going to be the one. Perfect so they, they analogy. Took the, they took the credit card up to the counter and did that, that ever so thing you're never supposed to do, do the cash advance that they let you do up there. <laughs> and they said, no, no, we, we know. this. We're, we're going to take one more swing at it, and then they failed again miserably. Did yeah. they lose Michael Brockers too? So you lost yeah. Yeah. your two pass rushers. The defense, the only person left on that defensive line is Aaron Donald. Yeah. Yeah. I can see why you wouldn't want to trade him. Of course. But that damn contract, and now you've got Littleton gone. I mean, they need help all over the place, and you have no first-round pick. Like, you could get a lot back if you wanted to trade Aaron Donald. It's, it's, gonna, it's an interesting discussion. I understand the argument because he's a hell of a player, man. He's one of the best, if not the best, at his position. But – you have to be realistic and you have to look at the future. And this team is, I look at this year and I look at next year and I go, okay, how long are you going to be okay? If you're Sean McVay, right? Are you going to be able to lose this season and lose next season and keep your job? Probably not. Right. And that's, I mean, it's pretty hard to believe with all the expectations that that would be okay, but we'll see. By the way, you got a really, 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 really rich owner. Yes. Really, 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 really expensive. Thank you. That he's going to want to put fans in. By the way, the Chargers play in that stadium too, and they got a hell of a lot better roster. I, Fighting for the same if, fans in the same city. That's and exactly like, right. If they both suck, everybody's like, I'm going to the beach. In LA. <laughs> I don't care. There's other shit to do. You got to be good to fill those seats. That's exactly right. LA is a fickle sports market. They, you have to win. It's a Laker Dodger town by far. Both of those teams are the the long-standing teams that have been there forever that have a have a stronghold on that city. Those two teams are going to be battling, and I'm glad you brought that point up, Jake, because that's going to factor in. If this team doesn't win and win quickly in that big, flashy new stadium that they have, the idea that, that we had of the Rams two seasons ago – Man, it's a lot different right now coming into this coming Look, into this season. The only reason they were allowed to make those trades is because Stan Kroenke said, yeah, I'll write the check. Yeah. <laughs> the dead money and the money we owe them, I'm cool with it. If you think it's best for our books and whatever, I'm like, yeah, go ahead. I'm giving you – here's the rope. And that might save them later on too. Because yeah. they're going to have to do that with Goff's restructuring at some point. Yeah. Listen, we've talked about it before. We're all we're all fans of uh, of Sean McVay. This offseason is going to be a big story and a very telling as to how much credit he actually deserved for for everything because that offensive line stuff does not get talked about. I swear we're the only people that bring it up and it is it is insane that they had that level of health and chemistry for that long. So the other factor too, that we talked about a little bit earlier this off season, there's a lot less experience in that coaching room now with yep. Phillips and Fossil gone. Very so, great point. That, that is another obstacle. Look, that defense underperformed relative to their talent level for a few years now. People just overlooked it their Super Bowl year, but that team was more talented and they were productive on the defensive side of the ball that year. And then things kind of fell apart at times last year, but they lost a lot of veteran coaching 
uh, out of that locker room. Uh, and so I'm just, so there's just, a, there's a lot of things going Good against point. the Rams this year. And look, it's the reality is, is this is going to, they're going to have to bottom out's too strong, but they're going to have to bottom out this year to give themselves any chance of getting through it. And they did that already by, by getting rid of the guys that they did. They have a path to success now, but it's probably, I don't think it's going to be disastrous, but it's not going to be a pretty season. Uh, in it LA. should be like a Baltimore bottom out, right? Seven and yeah. nine, eight and eight. They should still right be right there with the Cardinals. This division should be really damn good. And they're talented yeah. enough to beat anybody, but it's going to be the same kind of thing we talked about with the Cardinals. Aaron Donald goes nuts and has three sacks and a sack fumble and scores a touchdown and golf plays well. It all hinges on golf playing well, but we've never seen him play really well without that really, really solid offensive line. So I, I mean, they're going to be right there, but I think the Cardinals are going to be a hell of a lot more fun. I will, I will end with saying this. I would not like, I do not envy Sean McVay in that he has hitched his wagon to Jared Goff's success. That's all I will say. Cause I, I don't have a lot of faith in Jared Goff. I haven't for a long time. And I think, I don't know that it's going to be. A, a they don't good give him that contract without Sean McVay saying, "Yeah, he's my dude. Go ahead." And, I know. And give it. And so yeah, he, he that's, hitched it. That's for sure. He hitched it. So that's where it is. And Jamie brought up a great point about Sean McVay didn't have to. He didn't have to go to the other side of the building. He didn't have to help out with the defense. He wasn't even looking that direction. Either side of the building. No, none of it. Fossil is one of the best in the business, and Wade Phillips is freaking Wade Phillips. Like he only had to sit there being boy wonder, drawing up plays, and worrying about the offense. Like you, you got to go worry about everything now. Yeah, uh, this is going to be my team to pick on. I've already decided it's really enjoyable, and I can't and I enjoy watching LA teams. Uh, and by have the way, like I, I want to mention Les Snead too. I know well. He was a scout in Atlanta 20 years ago when I played there. I've known him for a long time. He was very much under the radar, but they had this kick-ass roster with Jeff Fisher, and they couldn't do anything. That was all Les. And then they made that run to the Super Bowl with all those kick-ass players that they just lost. I don't know how it got so squirrely and their salary cap got in such a bad situation, but he's still doing a pretty good job moving some of these guys off. But he's the other part of this, is that young boy wonder with less. Oh, yeah. He, he deserves a lot of credit for getting there. And all that team that was so good with all those players with Jeff Fisher. But he's got his work cut out now, for sure. Oh, yeah. But don't envy either one of those guys, right? Okay, Seattle Seahawks uh, moving on to this team who – listen, this division is so fun because I think we're talking about four teams that really the, – the, the top two teams I think are contenders in the NFC in general, but the bottom two teams are not teams that are not good, right? I think, And this could be that division where maybe we get that extra playoff spot eventually, right, where you're getting three teams from this division uh, – kind of like a year where one of those teams got left out. Uh, don't ask Jake or Bruce about that one year where they got left out. Okay, notable additions here, right? Chance Womack, uh, Philip Dorsett, Brandon Shell, Cedric uh, Agubawahe. I practiced that. I wanted to get it right. Greg Olson, BJ Finley, Benson Mawaha. Uh, notable losses here, Tedrick Thompson, Ed Dixon, George Fant, Quentin Jefferson. Uh, they get their trade, right? This is a good trade for them. Quentin Dunbar, they get from wa Washington, and they trade away a fifth-round pick, right? So that's probably probably a, a decent for, for them in a position of need. Um, so they have – listen, I'm convinced that Seattle, they pick at 27, right? They're probably going to do a very Seattle thing where they move back right out of the first round and then acquire a pick early on because that's what they – it seems like they're potentially going to do that. There's a lot of conversation. They have – one, they have two twos, they have a three, two fours, and a six, right? So they have a decent amount of draft capital here. And any year where you got Russell Wilson, you have a chance. But this this roster down the stretch last year with the couple of injuries, right, after Chris Carson went down and that team that went into Green Bay, 
the fact that they were in that game <laughs> for was a testament to how unbelievable Russell Wilson is because that defense is not the defense that we've seen for a long time. That offense at that point was just a bunch of guys, really. And and they 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 need to help this roster and help Russell Wilson. So Jamie, they've they've locked Russell Wilson up. They locked him up last offseason, right? They gave him that extension. He's gonna be their guy till I think it's twenty end of twenty twenty three. What can they do? Do you like what they've done so far um in adding some pieces and knowing that they have, you know, a decent amount of draft capital? Like the Bruce Irwin edition, love the Greg Olson edition. We talked about at the time they got got out in front on that because they 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 need some tight end help there with all the injuries that they have faced and, and the guys they've had in there. But look, this is a team that's interesting to me because I still feel like at times it is the Russell Wilson show and everybody else is along for the ride. And I know that's not I know some people might think that's not next level analysis, but you watch this team sometimes and what the identity of this team is what they want to do is be able to pound the ball. 35 plus times a game work off the play action and let Russell Wilson work his magic. But because of injuries, because of fumbling issues, because of inconsistency issues, they're not always able to do that. And at times it feels like they just, they just need Russell Wilson to be for lack of a better phrase, magical in order to get the job done. And he can do that to a high level and has done that to a high level for a while. But I still think it's the one thing that holds them back a little bit when we're talking about the very, very tippy top teams in the NFL. Uh, they still need to add some pieces on defense. That defense is, can be strong at times, but has, is nowhere near as good as it was at their peak in their Super Bowl years. They still need some help in the secondary. Uh, I'm assuming they're not bringing back Clowney at this point, but we'll see how far Clowney's price drops until he signs somewhere. Maybe he goes to Tennessee or somewhere else like that. But uh, everybody on Earth and on a few other planets has them taking Gross Matos uh, at 27 if they stick with that pick and they don't trade back like everybody expects them to. Uh, I'm not sure they have to trade back, especially with a couple second-round picks. I'm not sure you want to kick the can of talent down the road too much, especially even if you get like a mid-round pick and get a first next year. Do you I'm really want to keep kicking this can down the road? Like you have a window now to do something. There's no guarantee Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be able to have the same type of season that he did, or that the Niners are going to be able to run the ball quite as effectively as they did all the entire season. So you could. This is still a winnable division, as Paige pointed out. They were one yard short of yeah, doing it last year. This close, this close, so, and that team, and that team at that point still they had injuries, right? This is if you can, if you, and most importantly, I'm glad you brought it up. The fumbling with Chris Carson, like that's yes. got to be that's got to be addressed. And uh, as a fantasy owner of Chris Carson last year, I had a lot of ups and downs with this guy, right? And, and luckily, it was frustrating, and I can't imagine being on his team. And that's why there's talk – that and the penny injury are, are a big reason why there's talk about them maybe taking a day two running back and maybe yeah. jumping up and grabbing one of these guys with one of their second-round picks that even though everybody's kind of mocking those guys to go to Kansas City or Tampa Bay or Pittsburgh or all these other ones where we've kind of seen L.A., we've seen a lot of those mocks to those teams, but I think Seattle's a team that could be interested in that position. It's another – it's a lot of draft capital. I wouldn't do it given, given the, the amount of guys that they have and just hoping that Carson figures out his problems and you're going to get Penny back at some point, but – this team has some holes they still need to fill, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. And I still think they could use I, – I like the Philip Dorsett edition. It probably, it probably allows them, if they want to, if a guy doesn't follow them, to not have to feel like they have to take a day two wide receiver uh, to, to add to that team. But this team, to me, is still like on that borderline between really good and great. Like I don't feel they're a great team yet. They can get there. They're very close. But – I just I always feel like this team is still relying on Russell Wilson 
a little bit too much to get there. And if he's even 10% off his game, this is a team that could be, could fall back to being a nine win team. And, and I, I still feel like the upper echelon teams for the most part have a bigger window where they can have like, I'm not even talking about injuries, just a bigger window for less of it. Like I think 10% less to Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs could still win that division. I don't no, feel the same I, way. I think Seattle. there's a perfect example, right? Drew Brees goes down and they have Teddy Bridgewater come in and that team wins five games. If Russell Wilson goes down, that team is not going five and oh, I can assure you of that. Well, that, there, yes, that team might go on five. That, that's like that. That's the difference between you're looking at two of the top tier teams in the NFC. Right. And if you lose, you lose Drew Brees. Right. And it was, listen, Teddy Bridgewater did a great job, but it was that defense that really stepped up. It was the running. It was every, all the pieces around it. Teddy didn't have to do that much. If Russell Wilson goes down, that team is not good. Like right away. He's, he is the whole team. So I'm with you, Jamie. I think they got to stay at, they got to stay at 27 overall because they got two second rounders. Like you don't need to move back. You have enough draft capital. You need talented guys. Jake, do you agree? What are your thoughts? The worst team in the division on paper. Yeah. (laughs) No, by far, minus a really good coach and a damn phenomenal quarterback. Other than that, this roster sucks. I, I, this roster at any position is not better than the last two teams we just talked about. Maybe linebacker or Bobby Wagner. But I don't think it's better than Arizona's linebacking core total. I mean, you got K.J. Wright and Bobby Wagner. I like the Bruce Urban addition. You helped your back end a little bit. You had to trade last year as safety, which helped. Offensive line is still an issue. Running back's an issue. Tight end is fixed, but Greg Olson's got a foot that he kind of played healthy. I love the dude, and I love the player he used to be, but he ain't the same guy. No. You still got to stay healthy there with other guys. You're still limited at receiver because the guys you have are – none of them are a true one that run every route in the route tree. Um, You have a phenomenal quarterback that Jamie – at his next level analysis, the freaking dude is magic. Because the only way you can describe Russell Wilson and what he does is magic because the rest of this roster is garbage. Yeah. It's not any good. The Cardinals have a much better roster offensively. And if they take a tackle at eight, their offensive oh, yeah. line is leaps, bounds, and head and shoulders better than Seattle's offensive line. I, like they're, they're, that's, they got to play well to get the nine or ten wins, in my opinion, minus the fact that Russell Wilson is just that dude that does it every year. So they're going to yeah. be right there. But they better stay healthy or they got no chance of going anywhere past that. I don't think they can be – you put on a couple tapes of them last year. Put on the tape of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going to Seattle and kicking their ass up and down the yes. field. Minus Russell Wilson's free yeah. magic and he wins the game in overtime. That's, that is, they are 100% reliant on him playing at that level week in and week out. One of the things that the Draft Network has done over the last – couple of weeks is put out team guides right and they're awesome they are team specific guides that you can look at going into this draft and one of the ones that I was the most critical of as I read through all of these and I went back to them and I said we need to be more critical here is the Seattle Seahawks because they have missed on a lot of early picks and have not added to this roster while they continue to have a top three in the most important position on the field they get and a pass more than anybody I've ever I don't seen. understand it. Yes. I do because not understand Russell Wilson is that yes. damn good, and they play in the yes. Pacific Northwest. They get a pass, and it's Pete Carroll. Everybody loves yep. freaking gum chewing Pete. They get a pass more than anybody I've ever seen. Because this roster has sucked for a couple years. It is not the same Seattle with the Legion of Boom. Nope. And when Russell Wilson was a young dude, and it was not about him. It's been about him ever since that Super Bowl, the second one, 
and that the roster has gone like this, yeah. just off a Taking cliff. A nose, Taking nose a pass more than, it's crazy. No, it's like, crazy to me how much of a pass they get. And everybody still talks about, oh, Seattle's – they're not – they suck. Other than Russell Wilson, it's that damn good. You know, you know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of the last few years of, of Peyton Manning in Indianapolis. Oh, where yeah. you have a quarterback that covers for so much and is so Great exciting. Team. And the focus whenever, whenever Seattle plays – and by the way, rightfully so, the focus whenever Seattle plays on any broadcast, any graphics packages, <laughs> any pregame sit-downs – is on Russell Wilson, as sure. it should be. But, and then he does these magical things in the fourth quarter of games that the Seahawks aren't in for two to three quarters of and does it magically at the game, and, and he's the one everyone's talking about. Again, deservedly so, but what happens is people are forgetting everything else that's happening. They, people, like, people forgot about how the Colts were trying to get Peyton Manning killed behind that offensive line for like five years before he finally left. Like, I mean, and how that they were just going to gonna rely on, okay, well, you got a couple decent pass-catching options. You're good there. And how they're going to continue to miss on some of the defensive side of the ball. And how they mishandled a lot of the – they mishandled a lot of the end of the Legion of Boom days. I know some of that goes back a couple years now. But um, it, there's just a lot of things with this team that I look at and I go, like Jake said, they get a pass. And, again, the best thing, thing they're most remembered for right now is a pass – funny enough, but they're also like, they get a pass on all of these mistakes. They get a pass on, oh, that's wacky Pete Carroll taking the sixth best running back in the draft in the first round. Does, right? Yeah. We're going to take a six, <laughs> like, four corner. Nobody's ever heard of. Cause that's what works in Seattle. It yeah. Is, it's great. Why? Here, let's, let's play this game. Let's play this game. Is take quarterbacks out. Cause I get the best quarterback in the division. Do they have, where do, where would you rank their offensive line in the division? Behind, behind fourth, yeah. I'd say them third. I'd say third. I mean, them in the Rams. Than the Rams. Them in the Rams. Yeah. Pass rush. Oof. Yikes. Uh, well, San Francisco's ahead of them. Arizona's ahead of them. LA's ahead of them. Yeah. Well, I mean, they, they didn't have one at this point. LA doesn't so have, have yes, to give them, it, I'd yeah. have to be in third again because they lost Clay Matthews and Dante. Yeah. Collins. They still yeah. got Aaron Donald. They got Aaron Donald. I, I give them, put them ahead of that's, there. that's all yeah. I need to put them Secondary. ahead of Seattle. Secondary. Well, San Francisco's ahead of them. Um, Arizona's ahead of them with Buda Baker yeah. and Patrick Aaron, Peterson. I think just Jalen Ramsey's. <laughs> yeah. Deserved. So I think they're tied. Yeah, they're tied yeah. for third on most of these. Running backs. Third. Third. Okay. Receiving core. Yeah. Five. Fourth. Yeah. A fourth, assuming this, the Niners add somebody. I'm assuming the Niners are taking one. You know. So tell me that the roster is worth a shit, yeah. minus yeah. the fact that Russell Wilson is a freaking magician. Wilson and, and interior linebackers. Like, that's what, that's what you like. That's what you like about the team. And, they, and in that I, defense, those interior linebackers are paramount, and they're phenomenal. Yes. Bobby Wagner is Russell Wilson on the defensive side. That dude is an absolute freak star that doesn't get talked about enough. But that's not and Chandler sure. Jones are probably the two most underrated dudes we're going to talk about in this division. But, like, this yes. roster, they get a pass, and I don't get it. I don't get it. No, I don't – you especially don't get it because you understood that you couldn't have – that there was a changing of the guard, right? It was the defense and Marshawn Lynch, and then it changed to, okay, no, this is Russell Wilson's team. It's going to be Russell Wilson's team. And it should, frankly, be Russell Wilson's Hell team because yeah, it it's deserving. But then usually what happens when you decide to do that is you go, okay, now that we're doing this all around our quarterback, we're going to make sure – Mm, we protect the quarterback by bolstering the offensive line. Uh, that hasn't happened for the last five years. By the way, if years. you want to run it 30 times a game, you bolster that offensive line Thank as well. you. Yeah. Okay, you get good wide receivers around them. Haven't done that. 
uh, running backs scenario. Like you, if you're gonna if you're gonna focus all that attention on Russell Wilson, the thought process should be okay. We're gonna do everything we can to make the situation around Russell Wilson better because he's so excellent on his own. And that hasn't happened. We're not talking about one year. We're talking about like four or five seasons now of this crap like where they the haven't, haven't done it. Kind of blows my mind. Like that's not an addition. Tyler Lockett is a phenomenal slot. He's not an outside. He's not a one. DK Metcalf was a great second round pick. He runs three routes. He yep. runs them solid, good. And he's solid a second option. And yes. he was really good. Perfect analysis, Jamie. He's a great two. If you put a you put DeAndre Hopkins on this team. Thank sure. you. Now we're talking about a little bit of a different story, but they need tackles. They need guards. They, they need a better offensive line. They need more running backs. But, like, you can't say that adding Philip Dorsett to this receiving core made it any better. No, no it just, makes it. It's a band-aid that, off an ACL. Yeah. Yeah, it's a band-aid that, a lot, that will give them justification to not take a receiver on day two. But, like, it, it's it, – I mean, right, as currently constructed – and, again, we'll see what happens with Clowney. We'll see what happens with the draft. But right now they're going to get their asses kicked in the trenches on both sides of the ball. Yes, and, and 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 at some level, that's still football is still of all the high flying and all the things that we learned. That's still the fundamental game is still won there, and they have a severe disadvantage on both lines right now over the rest of this the rest of the division and the rest of the teams that they're going to be competing with for a playoff spot. Like if, if this team wins double digit games again, like everybody's expecting, it's going to be because of Russell Wilson again, and so, that's fine. But that limits your ceiling. Exactly. That's so. My question is: If you have one of the worst, you have the worst roster of the division. You have one of the worst rosters probably in the NFC, but your quarterback is that good. Where is your ceiling? And can you really get to double digits again and think that you're not going to have a bunch of injuries again or that you're going to have some luck? We can, I think we got to look at this team and what they do with the draft, right? Because they do have some How significant- much better can you get in a draft? They're young dudes. They got to go play. Yeah, I, I get that. I think like, my can, bit- can any of them be more of an impact than DK Metcalf was last year? I don't think so. Probably. I mean, I have him trading 27 for Ngakwe, and you have a plug-and-play starter pass rusher, you got better. If they do that, right, and they do that, and I think a big thing for me is the health of this offense, right, a couple of their key pieces, and really Chris Carson holding on to the damn ball because he was Chris so – Chris Carson's just a dude. He's solid. He's got some stuff about him, but there's a reason he wasn't a high pick and a yeah. super thought-of guy, and it wasn't even the starter really till last year. Yeah, I, I mean, you're the thing with Russell Wilson is though, I there's no ceiling for him. It's no, he, and that's, he can, that's my point. You can't, you as much as I want to say, yeah, this roster isn't talented enough to compete in the NFC. I saw a bare bones version of this roster almost going to Green Bay and beat Aaron Rodgers last because year because of Russell Wilson. Yes, my but, point is they get a pass for the rest of the roster, of course, being awful. No, I'm not giving him a pass. No, and look, I know I made the Peyton Manning comp, but let's talk about three or four years ago, Green Bay. That's what this is like. Where 100%. it's Aaron Rodgers, your peak is that Aaron Rodgers can go nuts and he can win any he can win any of these games and he and he's going to beat up on lesser teams because he is so much better. But how many how many one and dones are you going to have in the postseason? Or how many? Okay, we're just going to lose on divisional weekend every weekend. Like where did, where is the peak for the rest of this roster? Because at some point, Wilson can't be asked to do 100 percent of the things on this team. And he's been very healthy in his career. And at some point, he might not be. You know, yeah. he might step funny and, and, and miss four weeks. Then what? Oh, this team will lose every game. They're not winning any games without him. They're, they, they don't, they're not set up for that. It's, it is his show. And, man, it seems like a waste of a Super Bowl window. Because with him, you always have a chance. 
You, you do. You always have a chance. And if you had constructed a better roster around him, right, I still remember sitting with Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino. And, Jamie, you probably remember this because this was at back in our fan rag days. And they draft Rashad Penny. And these two dudes are losing their damn minds. They are like – I was there. We did that show with them. Yeah. They were yeah. – they could not – they could not comprehend – that this was a – they were going – they're looking at each other. They were almost stunned I thought I, silent. I, thought I got the name wrong because I was feeding – because uh, yeah. behind the scenes, I'm, I'm – Paige is up on, is on stage with Kyle and Joe. I'm feeding them behind the scenes when we're getting this, the information. Uh, and I, I, like a few times, like you could hear them, like you could almost see them be like, oh, did, did – did, that was that the right name? Did, did she read the right Slack message? Uh, and it was. And I said, oh, okay. It's – My reaction – and I waited because I was like, no, nah, that can't be the that can't be the pick. I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna wait till it's like quadruple confirmed before <laughs> I, I put that out there. Well, because I think both of them had day, had third or fourth round grades on Rashad yeah, there was the, yeah, I think yeah, I think they were like, and eh, maybe we're dealing with him in the third round. But I think there were the, but there were like three other running backs that were available, and they're looking at each other going. They needed offensive line help bad. They both freaked yeah. out. I tried to back up Penny and make it better. We did our recap show a couple yeah. days there, but they were pissed because there was like. They need offensive line help so bad. Take somebody. Seems, seems you know, these guys, Kyle and, and Joe, that's why they're they not going to take one at 27 this year. No, they won't. Yeah. DeAndre yeah. Swift might be sitting there. Jonathan Taylor might be sitting there at 27. They're all better than Chris Carson. Yeah. But they can't do it again. I assume that they're going to take a pick that none of us are going to be excited about, and we're all going to hear the same thing, and then I'm going to tweet, the Seattle roster still sucks. And that's what I'm going to tweet because it's, I will be like, it's not, it's not cool to be quirky when you're taking draft picks. That's not a, that's not a draft philosophy to have, right? It's not, that, that doesn't work. So Seattle's got to get this. It's the same thing with new England, but it's okay because it's Bill Belichick. So you get a new England guy and it makes sense. Name me three pro bowlers on this roster. Russell Wilson, Bobby Wagner. Who's the Bobby player? Wagner. That's it. That's it. KJ Wright could be. I love maybe. KJ Wright. Yeah, I mean he, two years he's ago. really underrated, but like that's not you know. But you're not, when Wright you're not. and Wagner both on the field, that that defense is completely different. But it's still that it still stands. This yeah, roster but if is you're, you're running it down their throat because there's no defensive line, yeah, it's or you talent, can throw all over them because they play that same simple zone because they have no pass rush, which are a lot yeah. relying on coming off the edge. It's just not the same thing, man. We could have done a whole show on Seattle because I hate the way they've drafted for so long and I'm so glad that you guys we got to talk about this because it just I read it and I sat there and I go no John Schneider and Pete Carroll are not getting a pass on these team guides so that's a good plug for you know exactly that we were critical of them and the team guides because we should be and you can take a look at the historical picks because they're all in there over the last five years and you're going to do a whole lot of head scratch those guys want to give them a pass bring them on the show because I'd love to hear what they see Oh no! They're they're giving them a pass. I think I think I can't remember who exactly was in charge of Seattle, but it 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 was definitely uh, changed after Kyle Krabs. Everybody had. looks at them from five or six years ago yep. when Russell was young. That team was a team. They were freaking loaded. Legion of oh. Boom, pass rushers, Bobby Wagner's young. They had like seven pro pullers on defense. Yes, <laughs> and a superstar young quarterback. You hadn't gotten paid yet, but Russell Wilson was the same dude then. Yeah, and also Marshall that team Lynch. Was loaded. Ever since. <laughs> Totally agree. All right, we're going to finish up here with the San Francisco 49ers. Notable additions here, Tom Compton, Kerry Hyder, Joe Walker, Travis Benjamin. Uh, they re-signed Eric Armstead, Jimmy Ward, Ronald Blair. Notable losses here, Sheldon Day, Emmanuel Sanders, 
uh, and they trade, obviously this was the big move for them. They trade away DeForest Buckner to the Indianapolis Colts, but in exchange for the 13th overall selection in this upcoming draft. So this team has two first round picks, but then they don't pick till the fifth round. So better make them count. They got two, they're picking 13, 31, and then they don't pick until 156. They got two fifths, one six and two seven. So two early draft positions, but then they're going to be waiting a while. So Jamie, when you look at this team, obviously coming off a, a loss in the Super Bowl, not a ton of movement, but they did keep a couple of key pieces here and, and got at least a first in exchange for DeForest Buckner. Yeah, as we talked about, that, that's one of those rare, true win-win scenarios for both teams uh, with the, in that Colts 49ers trade. To me, it's all about the draft. Uh, like they didn't make a ton of big-name acquisitions. They didn't lose a ton of big-name players. Sanders was always going to be a rental, uh, but really helped unlock Debo Samuel's potential and really show the need that they're going to need to add another receiver uh, at some point with at least one of those first-round picks, whether they do it at 13 like a lot of people expect, or they do it at 31. Uh, it's going to be interesting because they're in a really interesting spot in the draft at 13 because they should, barring some just massive craziness, should have an opportunity at one of those top three guys that we've talked about, Judy, Lamb, or Ruggs, whoever's sitting there. But they're also in a prime spot if one of those defensive guys fall, if people start falling over themselves for the tackles, receivers, maybe somebody, you know, I've seen some crazy scenarios with quarterbacks. They're an interesting spot, uh, especially if one of those tackles is available and somebody wants to uh, – Jake Cabrera, somebody wants to move ahead of the Bucks uh, for one of those guys. They, they're an interesting spot uh, there. Uh, but ultimately, I have them taking – if one of those top receivers are on the board there, I think they need to take them. Uh, Debo Samuel is, just, is a, just a tremendous talent that they really unlocked last year. He's all, they use him all over the field. They use him out of the backfield. Uh, he, he's a true Swiss Army knife for them. But he needs another piece there, and so does Jimmy Garoppolo. Because if you want to talk about how the 49ers can get better off their season, they can't get much better running the ball. They're probably not going to get much better on defense, although yeah. we hope they can maintain those levels. Where they can get better is Jimmy Garoppolo taking over in more opportunities when he is given them and maybe being a little bit more explosive in the passing game. That is their big area where they can improve, and if they fall back a little bit in other categories, that's where they can make up for it. And they're going to need another weapon there. Uh, Sanders made a real big impact fairly early on, but then was kind of phased out at times late in the season. Adding another one of these young receivers is going to be a tremendous addition for them. Maybe they take another corner. I have them going receiver corner. Uh, I think they could use some help opposite of, of Richard Sherman. Uh, you know, Witherspoon, I mean, got benched at times in the postseason. I, I think they have some issues there still. Uh, maybe somebody else falls to them. We don't expect maybe a Kinlaw falls. I mean, there's a lot of options that they have at that pick. that's going to be really interesting for them, but, uh, I think they stay put. I think you add two close to, if not if not day one starters, like October starters for this team right away, and you add this to the roster and you try to run it back and hope that Garoppolo takes a step forward, you stay a little bit healthier in your running game, your offensive line stays healthy, and then all of a sudden this is, again, another team that should very well be in Super Bowl contention again, even though we do know the checkered history of Super Bowl losers coming back the next year. There's still a really, really talented team that at this point is healthy. They're relying on Solomon Thomas, who was drafted extremely high, being able to take DeForest Buckner's spot and be that defensive line tackle. I think they could trade Solomon Thomas, get back in the second, third. Somebody will give him something decent. I have Kinlaw possibility at 13. I think he's going to be in that 13, 14, 15, 16 range. I could see them taking him there, taking the receiver later. Yeah. Look, John Lynch, 
this is how you build a team, dude. You came in from not working, from being on TV to being yeah, a GM literally. with Kyle Shanahan. They have done an unbelievable job. Offensive line, solid. Running backs, solid with a bunch of nobodies. Receiving court needs to be upgraded. We know that will be. When you throw George Kittle in the receiving core, yeah. it's not that bad. Mm-hmm. Defense, solid. Quan Alexander will be back. He came back for the playoffs in the Super Bowl run. Got Jimmy Ward back. That was big. The defensive line, pass mm-hmm. rush is already set. Deep Ford was like a rotational third down dude. Like, yeah, it's insane. Like, they're fine there, even if they just plug in one of the guys they already have who was playing over Solomon Thomas last year, I think it was a fifth-round pick the year before. They can trade Solomon Thomas be fine if they got a third back. By the way, I think they could take two of those fifths and a seventh to get back in the third because if they take – they draft those guys later, they're not making their team anyway. Yeah, no. So if they can go one, 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 two, and a three – they go from like a C plus, which they don't really have a choice but to be a C plus, to an A plus offseason and be absolutely spectacular. Yeah, I think the the biggest point that Jamie brought up that I think makes a ton of sense and and is really, you know, such a key part of this is you have to assume the defense was so unbelievable last year, right? It reminds me a lot of Chicago two years ago, right? Where you, you have to assume that that defense is probably, even though statistically, right, the Bears gave up less points per game this year you have to assume that they're probably not going to create as many turbos because San Francisco, it reminded me so much of that where the pass rush is getting there and they're knocking the quarterback over and whatever, even though they can still be great, right. And be not as good as they were last year. And that's where I look at this team and I go, okay, with that draft capital, you probably need to give Jimmy Garoppolo some better options because he never really had to do that much. That's why we were critical of this team early on because they kept winning games and we kept watching them win with their defense and going, I don't know if Jimmy can do it. And he went to say, he went to new Orleans, right? That was a big victory for them. They went in there and they got that victory and Jimmy Garoppolo played great. But if he was a tiny, a, a 10% better, 15% better, they probably would have won that Super Bowl against the chiefs. And I think that's where they have to, if he, if he can be 15% better, by having other options because George Kittle is unbelievable. If not the him and Travis Kelsey, you can battle it out. Who's number one overall, but they need a wide receiver. They need a, they need a, a top tier wide receiver in that offense. And I assume that they will take one of those guys. Cause at 13, they're going to have their options. I still think they can get a damn good one at 31. Yeah, that's true. I don't know that they have to do 13. I don't know. Yeah. yeah and a lot of it's going to depend on, on who falls. Yeah. You know? And that's because a again, huge deal. And what do you think? Again, what is where do you look? Like a guy, he might not be as impactful, but Denzel Mims can step in, yeah. And especially in a run-heavy offense, why I love his fit in Minnesota. Can step in to be an impact player even before he's catching the ball. Can be an impact player on offense right away. You know, how do you feel? Do you feel like you can extend T. Higgins's route tree at some point? Do you think he can be that over-the-top guy for you, even though he's got you know his play speed versus actual speeds a little bit different? He's a yeah, bigger guy. Catch radius and his jumping ability. Is, yeah, think unbelievable. He'd fit. So where do you, you know, where do you have him? You know, this, you know, cause I don't, so it gets interesting there. The, the, the stuff with Garoppolo. And I think, I know you're not allowed to talk in nuance anymore. You have to decide you either love somebody or hate somebody and you, you can't have anything in the middle. But with Garoppolo, the criticisms, at least from this show, were that the Niners didn't ask him to do a whole lot. Yeah. What they asked him to do, he executed well, but they didn't ask him to do a whole lot or in a large quantity. If they ask him to do more, if they ask him to throw more, if they ask him to take over games, they ask him to take over games late this season, can he do it? We don't know yet. And as I've said, 
I have the picture around Jimmy Garoppolo is less foggy now than it was beginning last year, obviously, but there's still some fogginess there. I still, I'm still on team. I don't know with Jimmy Garoppolo. That's not saying I don't think he can do it. I'm just saying I'm not sure. And all those statistics and stuff you saw going along the two weeks of the Super Bowl of deciding he was a clutch quarterback because of 47 pass attempts in a certain situation is ridiculous. And that's all I'm saying is that we don't uh. know yet. And if they ask him to do more, maybe he can. Maybe he has this other level, especially if they add more weapons around him. And if he does, that's going to be the key to unlock San Francisco getting back to the Super Bowl. If you give me a healthy Joe Staley, a healthy McGlinchey, a healthy Kittle, healthy Debo, two of those running backs can be healthy of the four that they got. And that defense plays to 85% of what they played at last year, which I fully expect him to do, if not be just as good. I'm co- totally cool with Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't care which receiver they add, yeah. whether it's 13 or 31. I think that team is good. Yeah. The offensive line is solid. They're going to be able to run it. And if you have Juszczyk, who was out a lot of last year, does everything for this team because Kyle's one of the only guys that really has a fullback in a traditional sense. But Kyle Juszczyk is not traditional. That dude does all kinds of stuff. you got three really good weapons right there, and you throw a rookie out there. I don't care which receiver it is. If you get down to like 7, 8, 9, 10 – any of those guys are going to be just fine. That's why I don't think they have to take one at 13. I think they probably will. But I think they could, they could move out of 13 and go back to 20. Yeah, pick up a second and still add some players. Like I said, they get the fourth, fourth fifth round. They're, those guys aren't making this team anyway. Yeah. And also like, like, yeah. No, I think yeah. the, the big thing with this team is that I think that it's, it's not to be understated that this team was this close to being a fifth seed in, the, in, the, in this last season. Yeah, but it would have been a 13-3 and three fifth. For sure, I mean, for sure. Was- I'm, I understand. I'm just saying this division is very tough, and they, were, they took very, two very close games with Arizona last year. Arizona takes a step forward this year. Now, all of a sudden, those games aren't as easy as the they Garoppolo were last year. Garoppolo made the plays to win, by the way. That's exactly right. But the, it's, I'm saying this division is, is, is better. Okay, Arizona, it's better. This is a tough division. So they might need to be the top seed or win this division because if they slip up a little bit, Russell Wilson and that Seattle team is going to be right there waiting in the wings. They're significantly better than everybody in this division. I think so. I think so. But is Jimmy, is Jimmy, though? Played them well last year. The Rams are worse, and Seattle's exactly the same. Yeah. Seattle did nothing to make me feel like they're any better, whether they bring Clowney back or not. If they don't bring Clowney back and they don't add a pass rusher, they're worse. So you are significantly better than everybody else in the division yeah. on, any, on any given Sunday that you're going to play. I'm, I'm with Jamie. I feel the exact same way about Jimmy Garoppolo that you do. I know a little bit more about him this year than I did last year, but I still don't know if he can be – if he can take it to another gear. Because he wasn't healthy, asked to. He doesn't have to. Yeah, for He's sure. That's the thing, too. If they stay healthy. Maybe he doesn't have to. I think if they're not healthy, that is going to be on him. Here's He's going to have to step up. For sure. Here's he made the, enough plays last year for me to say I'm okay with him being there. They're which not I, getting anybody else. Yeah, which I, which I understand. My thing is if you lose that game this past year, the expectation this year is to go and win that game. I don't think he can be that version of himself and win a Super Bowl this upcoming year. That, and that's the expectation. Because I don't think if you're get, if that's what you're banking on, I think he's got to be better this year. If that's what they're to get back there, one and to win it all too. Because you're assuming coming out of the AFC, the favorites, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. So you think he's gonna he's gonna have to make more plays if they're gonna beat that team in the Super Bowl. So just to get there, I mean, 
We know, we know what happens to teams that lose in the Super Bowl. It's not, it's a long standing thing of those teams. I think Shanahan and this team might be different, but I also know Jimmy Garoppolo could crumble like a old pumpkin. And they're better off than most teams because their roster is built with. Yeah, it's, when, yeah, when you talk about injuries and we don't talk about it enough, they're pretty deep in a lot of places. Oh, yeah. Other than receiver. I mean, they, we look at Jamie's boy, Dante Pettis. They, they still got some dudes over there, yeah. but they need, they need some serious playmakers. Debo Samuel, I think, is going to be even better next year. Yeah, he's uh, great. That's the only place in this roster that's thin to not very good. But if yeah. you throw use check and Kittle in there as receiving options, the way Kyle runs this offense, you can't just look at receiving core as just wide receivers. Listen, they're going to have options. They're going to have – they got two picks in the first round. They can make some happen. They can address that glaringly obvious need that they have in that one position and this team can run it back and if Jimmy's a little bit better I think this team's gonna be really really good but I I want to see it first I want to see Jimmy Garoppolo be a little bit better I want to see what happens with this team this is a good team and I to your point about John Lynch he was one of the more impressive at the combine they had a bunch of the different GMs that were that spoke and he came and spoke at the women's symposium and one it's awesome what he's doing for women in the NFL so I should don't want to understate that with Katie Sowers and he's got a couple other female assistants that he's had on his staff and two he talked about what he does every day dude is a psycho <laughs> like he is he is so regimented he is so he just you can tell he's so passionate about being the GM of the team and I, I just sat there and I went, man, I would love to play. And he has balls. Yeah. A lot just, of GMs are scared to make moves. Look what he yeah. did in his first two drafts. Yeah, he's not afraid. He will trade and move and do – that's what I'm saying. Like, don't be surprised. They move a player. They get back in the third. They get back in the second. They keep the – don't be surprised they move around. John has done an unbelievable job with Kyle. It's not just him. Yeah. Uh, building this roster together. But they're deep. And, but they got to add some receivers other than that. They go from like a C because they couldn't really have a choice to. They could have. They could be an A before this is over with. Yeah, two first round picks. It's hard to give them anything less than at least a a, a C because of what they were able to get back. And you got to give them actually more than a C. I mean, that trade was awesome to get that second yeah. first round pick. I mean, you yeah. probably give them a B, and they were in the Super Bowl. All right, we're giving them a B. The show's official stamp of a B for the old San Francisco 49ers. Jamie, any parting thoughts on today's podcast? Yeah, it's it's amazing. We're only a week away now. Uh, it's it's crazy to think about because there's so much talk, so much hype, and it's only going to accelerate. All the talk and hype we have is basically going to, for the last like few months, is going to be matched in the next seven days. Oh yeah. Uh, I just again, be careful who you listen to. Uh, <laughs> be careful who what, what information is out there. Uh, anybody that is profoundly saying that they know 100% for sure is happening, you know not to trust them because nobody knows anything right now, and everybody's throwing off the scent. Uh, but have fun, speculate, you know, this is, this is an exciting time of year. It's right now it's all we got in the sports world, uh, for the foreseeable future. So enjoy it, savor the moment and enjoy the three nights, uh, next week that you're going to have some sort of sports action. Jake, parting thoughts. As my boy, Jay Glazer said yesterday, read the handle. Don't don't just read the tweet and and (laughs) all the fake craziness that was going on. Read the handle. Uh, no, it's, it's exciting. I, I can't wait for next week. I, I still think there's going to be players. We didn't talk about Andy Dalton as a potential yeah. trade guy. Uh, Ngakwe, another time. There's going to be there's going to be five or six, maybe as many as seven or eight players traded for draft capital, which is going to make it that much that much fun. Um, and I agree with Jamie. Like maybe twenty five percent of what you hear is real between now and next week. It's only going to ramp up and be more crazy. 
But now it's like time to, ooh, let's get back in the lab and let's make something up and let's see who can run with it and believe oh, it. Oh, yeah. This is oh. like, they all try to outsmart themselves at this point. It's, uh, listen, I know that people on social media want to believe a lot of what they're seeing, but just logically for a second, think back and go, why in the hell would anybody in an organization be telling anybody what they're doing before the draft? There is no upside to there's telling anyone. There's yeah. only one organization, and that's the Giants, because Gettleman always seems to get his picks leaked. But aside from him, <laughs> uh, aside from him, or the Cincinnati Bengals coming out and saying, Here, "Here's Joe Burrow, yeah. the worst kept secret of all time," uh, yeah. then you know, it's just again, there, there's no advantage. It's all smokescreen. And again, if it's if it's couched as speculation, here's what I've heard. Let's talk about if this happens, this is interesting, perfectly okay. If anybody tells you that they know 100% for sure that this team is taking this player or this pick, no. There's one team that knows exactly who they're taking at that pick right now in the Cincinnati, and everybody yep. else has to fall in line. And yep. that's only 99% because that yes. doesn't mean that somebody couldn't go, I'll give you all 14 picks to move up to number one. That's it. There's always a chance. Because look, I'm going to tell you right now. Blow his knee on a TikTok dance tomorrow, and all of a sudden, guess what? They're trading out of that pick. Yeah. Exactly. Like if I'm representing Jacob, Jacob Eason right now, I'm calling in a favor to Kuiper or McShay saying, look, here's the deal. Whoever goes five, I need you to say that the Chargers are in love with Jacob Eason. He might go six. Regardless if it's two or Herbert, they go five. And it would go nuts. Oh, yeah. People yeah. go crazy talking about it, even there's no chance in hell of that being true or happening. People go freaking nuts because somebody said it on ESPN. Yep. And there we go. But like, this is 20% maybe of what you're going to hear is true between now and Oh, yeah. Again, we, we heard this today with, like, Mekhi Becton, uh, that he likes the, uh, an anonymous scout. The, the, again, the proverbial anonymous, anonymous scout. scout. Uh, that he, he might like to eat more than he likes playing football. Isn't he three-plus bills? Of course he likes to eat. He's an <laughs> offensive lineman. All right, I, I don't want, uh, no offense, but I don't want my, my starting potential future left tackle to be, like, eating salads. Yeah, That's to be on a diet. Want. He might need a few. He is three sixty. True. He probably needs some. But like, that was at the combine a long time ago. There's questions uh, about his workout stuff now sure. because nobody's seeing. Andrew Thomas is videoing himself driving a hundred yeah. miles and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And Becton's not. And everybody's Small. videoing themselves doing forty yard dashes. So here's the thing. Seconds shaved off the time. Yeah. That's uh, that's another. Here's the clock. You can't always believe what's happening on social media. Okay. That doesn't mean he's not getting his workouts in. Okay. Beware the anonymous scout quotes because, yeah, by the way, he, there are a lot of scouts. And you know what? They may truly believe that. There's a lot that, of fire scouts validity. that don't have jobs that are going, hey, the anonymous scout quote. I'm still yeah. watching tape. Yeah. Well, the anonymous scout, which yeah. happens to be the player's dad who's also the, the agent, which anon- we see happen every year. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Anonymous scout, at, a.k.a. Mr. Tongavaleo. Uh, okay. Jake, how can everybody follow you on social media? Jake B. Arians on Twitter. Jamie. Follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter. You guys can follow me at the underscore sports page with an I on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow the Draft Network at the Draft Network. And you should check out latest mock drafts, everything we got going on. It's uh, one week officially from today. So check out thedraftnetwork.com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.